opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. The following program contains topics particular to the LGBTQ plus community. Some discussions may contain mature themes. As such, listener discretion is advised. This is Pride Connection, sponsored by Blind Pride International. Every two weeks on Tuesdays at 10 p.m. on ACB Media One and shortly thereafter on your favorite podcast catcher. Hey everyone, welcome to Pride Connection on ACB Media Stream 1 and wherever you get your podcasts, what other podcaster. I'm Destiny and I am your host for today. Unfortunately, Gabriel, our president, is not with us, but our secretary, Anthony Corona, is here to give the president's message. Over to you, Anthony. Well, hey, 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 and welcome, 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 everyone. So it is leadership season, and leadership season for the American Council of the Blind means we will be participating in leadership meetings with our representatives and senators or their um, staff. So we've been really hard at work on that. Subsequently, Gabriel has been translating all of the leadership material into Spanish for the American Council of the Blind. He'll also be putting together a team to do that for our national convention this year. So we want to say a big, huge, big ups and shout out to Gabriel, who has been hard at work doing that. He is actually currently hosting a call for Spanish-speaking ECB members. So that's pretty darn awesome. I know as this episode goes to air, a lot of folks are very concerned about what's happening in Eastern Europe, Ukraine to be specific. And we want to hear from our BPI members and anyone who happens to listen to our Pride Connection podcast. So to reach the show or BPI um, board of directors and by extension, our membership, you can always send an email to membership at blindlgbtpride.org. That's membership at blindlgbtpride.org. We have also signed on for various bills that don't say gay bill in um, Florida, as well as some legislation in Ohio and some legislation in Texas. So if you are fighting the good fight, and you want more information, or you're interested in becoming a member of BPI, also please hit up our website, which is going to go through an overhaul and an update in the coming two months. But currently we are www.blindlgbtpride.org. You can get information on our affiliate, on all the things that we're working on, And of course, you can find out about Pride Connection. I'm going to ask everybody to go to acbmedia.org and hit up podcasts. Scroll down a little bit. I would say it's about six or eight scrolls down until you'll hit the Pride Connection link. Our last three conversations have all been around what our community heard, felt, and understood growing up, how it affected coming out, how it affected our self-esteem 
Our last three conversations have been very impactful. So please go take a look at those as well. And I'm going to turn it back to Destiny. Destiny, what are we talking about tonight? So tonight we're talking about beauty. What is beauty to us as blind people or as members of the LGBT community and so much more? In your eyes, what is beauty as a blind person and or a person who is part of the LGBTQ plus community? I'm going to throw it over to Melody, one of our guests. Beauty to me is who someone is on the inside, first and foremost, what you have to benefit and what you have to offer and give back and who you are as a person and just the fact that you want to take time for someone and sit with them and what you can tell someone and maybe writing and placement of words and the impactful power and meaning behind the words. I always tell people, and that's an always, I don't mean to be black and white, but your heart's beating and you exist and something good is happening somewhere, whether you know or not. And I truly mean it. And I also love like the feel of someone's hands or long hair or skin. That's beauty to me or just closeness and hearing their heartbeats. Not necessarily how someone looks on the outside. Physical appearance doesn't have to be the go-to. Thank you very much. That is magnificent. Uh, the way you described that was very beautiful. I feel like beauty is just what you said. The internal, to me, I there are certain voices that have a beautiful sound to them. And so my own sense of beauty, it, it's been complicated at times. You know, I never thought I could be or consider myself beautiful for multiple reasons. My disability, a few other marginalizations I live at, my body size, all that stuff. But beauty to me is the inner beauty, people's voice. To me, my hair being short feels beautiful to me when I wear clothes that I love, whether it is a dress that's somewhat feminine, but really loose fitting or just really aesthetically pleasing feeling to feel like silk or velvet or just something, a good pair of sweat clothing that just make me feel good. And I can see a little bit so I can see my appearance. And although it might not be conventionally attractive or beautiful, there are times where I feel beautiful, no matter like what I'm wearing or just how I'm feeling in the moment. So that's kind of how I see beauty and reworked it. Over next to Byron. Beauty is kind of an interesting concept because I think a lot of times people think of beauty as a specifically feminine thing. And it's not, you know, this just has another name for men, you know, handsomeness or, you know, oh, you're so dapper or whatever. But I think beauty should be a term that we can all use. It shouldn't be gendered. Before I came out, I never thought of myself as beautiful or handsome. When I was dating exclusively women, if a woman talked to me or was interested in me, dated me, was in a relationship with me, I never could figure out what it was that they saw. I always thought that they were probably not physically attracted to me. Maybe it was uh, personality or maybe it was something about me uh, that wasn't physical that they liked. And I gave myself no credit. I'm not beautiful. I'm not handsome. I'm ugly. That's the impression that I had of myself. And as I came out and started to look inward at myself, I started to realize that there are parts of me that are beautiful. And it's hard to pin down what that means, you know, what that is. Um, Some of that is the beauty of personality. And some of that is the beauty of reliability and the beauty of intelligence or the beauty of whatever it is that's on the inside. But there are also physical attributes that people find attractive about me and what those things are. It's hard to know because I'm too physically close to say what it is that somebody sees in me that they go, ooh, mama. But I think one of the cool things about beauty, uh, especially things like nails, uh, makeup, 
clothing, you know, your your apparel and accessories and things like that. Some people think of them as things that you need to have to be seen as beautiful by other people. But I think maybe it's more like an external representation of your inner beauty. So like for me, I've lost a lot of internal baggage, a lot of internal ugliness, a lot of self-esteem issues and self-hate. And I've lost a lot of that since coming out and doing things like wearing a pink hoodie or painting my nails blue or buying a pair of leggings at Torrid uh, and feeling comfortable wearing those things. That is an external representation of my inner beauty shining through. That is wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing. Anthony, what do you got to share on this topic? I feel something from what everyone has said so far, but I think I come to this at the diametrical opposite of where Byron comes from in this space. Um, I started playing baseball when I was four years old and I played it all through high school, college. I played a year of minor league baseball. So, you know, I started working out. I started having all of the things that are placed upon male physique. I had the shoulders, I had the arms, I had the chest, had a gray head of hair. I'm Italian, so I've got the skin, I've got the bone structure. And from the time I was in, in sixth or seventh grade, I started hearing all the time, you're hot, you're this, you're that. But it never really permeated deep inside myself. I didn't feel hot. I didn't feel those things. But it, being the personality that I am, I used what others were seeing to my advantage, you know, as best as I possibly could. When we're teenagers and in, in our early 20s, we don't necessarily think through all of the quote unquote consequences of our actions. Being quote unquote hot never quite got into my head, but I knew how to use what others thought to make situations work for me. As far back as I can remember, music, absolutely beautiful music touched me in a place in my soul. I would hear choral music like St. Matthew's Passion or, you know, Mozart's Requiem, and it, it would touch something inside me and I would weep. There would be tears rolling down my cheeks, and I didn't understand other than this is just so beautiful. There's nothing else I can do but cry to this. When someone in my classes made someone else laugh or made someone else smile. So for me, the battle between external beauty and internal beauty, it took a very, very, very long time to understand the balance between those two things and the difference between them. And what's really more important, the dichotomy between internal beauty and external beauty is something that I think everybody needs to answer for themselves. That is wonderful. Do you all think there's a difference between being beautiful or handsome or being hot or sexy. Someone that is is hot, sexy, attractive, I think of more of that as my my lady, my partner. And she is also beautiful, stunning, you know, and, and internal. I mean that just as much or more than external. Beautiful and handsome can mean a beautiful newborn baby. And of course, the cry, you know, that is downright beautiful and awesome. What, what that baby's going to be in that new little life. And I, you know, a dog or a cat or an animal, a new guide dog or something, they're beautiful. Or my mom, I think she is absolutely 100% a beaut. None of those examples would be considered hot or sexy, at least I wouldn't think. And I don't know, most cases, maybe I'm, but I definitely do think there's a difference or, you know, maybe even a flower or a butterfly or a 
a beautiful dress or something that wouldn't really be, you know, so yeah. Awesome. March this month will be six years in my journey in blindness. And one of the most beautiful things that I got to see when I still had sight, I was in the delivery room and I held my niece before my sister who gave birth to my niece actually got to hold my niece. It was gross. It was disgusting, but it was one of the most beautiful things I have ever experienced. And seeing that red faced, and my niece is a redhead, so she had a little mop of red hair on her head when she came out. We didn't know it was red until the nurses wiped her off because she had all that crap on her and stuff. And I got to tell you, it was ugly. It was really, really ugly in, in like grossness but you know it was one of the most beautiful things i have ever seen and when my niece turned her head and and pressed her face just moments into her life into my elbow i was changed i was incredibly changed so hot and sexy are one thing but beauty is a completely different thing yes Yes, yes to both of you. Byron, where do you think the line is between beauty or hot and sexy? Wow, that's a really uh, interesting question. And I and I have sort of like a weird thing going on in my head about this. And I'm not really sure how to... When I was dating women exclusively, and I think I touched on this a little bit, but didn't really go into it. I never like got flirted with or never had any anyone like message me and go, oh, wow, you're you're attractive. I'd like to get to know you better. It was usually, you know, my job to be the flirter, right? Or to be the, uh, uh, for lack of a better term, the aggressor as far as like, hey, you're cute. I'd like to get to know you. And then when I came out, all of a the sudden there were guys that were like, hey, you're cute. Or hey, like, I like your voice. Or like they would flirt with me and stuff. Like just, it was sort of a weird feeling to all of a sudden feel sexy. And I never really felt sexy. I always knew that I was beautiful because people I, you know, women that I dated would tell me, you know, oh my gosh, you know, you're, you're a beautiful person. But that was always after, right? I never felt sought after. I always felt appreciated when someone had me, but I never felt sought after. And so maybe that has something to do with it is that, you know, maybe if you feel sexy, you feel wanted, you feel um, like someone is 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 interested in you and willing to put in the effort to go hey so i I don't know it's kind of a scattered half thought that i can't quite formulate but that's kind of you know like where my head's at right now as you're asking this question you know destiny before you move on i kind of have to throw up the other side of this it's sort of the poor little rich boy syndrome but for all of the times that no one approached you byron because for whatever reason you think internally, it's all the times that no one approached me. And then later on, I would hear, oh, you know, you had that unapproachable, you're so this or you're so that, you're a baseball player, you're da-da-da-da-da. I, I didn't think I had a chance or or I didn't think you would give me the time of day. I am not trying to compare it in any way, shape or form, but you kind of have it on both sides of the spectrum because people become intimidated by their own feelings of physical beauty. And then you take the sexiness and put it on top of it. And it's like, oh, you know, this person can have anyone they want. So why would they want me? I'm not even going to bother to approach. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I don't mean to uh, hijack your, your, uh, uh, host duties here, Destiny, but I just kind of wanted to get one last thought in there. And that's just to echo Anthony's thought that I've talked with a lot of nerds. You know, I, I'm definitely in the geek circle and I've had more success dating than a lot of my friends, a lot of my counterpart geeks. And one of the things I tell them quite often is 
you have to be willing to make your interests known, you know, and not in a creepy way, right? Like you have to, yes. you, have, you have to treat the person that you are physically attracted to as a person first and not come at them and go, <laughs> you're cute. You know, you can't, you can't do that. But one of the things that a lot of geeky guys have trouble with is approach. Why would this beautiful person want anything to do with me, considering the fact that I'm this, that, and the other thing? Meanwhile, this person who is physically beautiful, they're just as into Warcraft as you are, or they're just as into Star Wars as you are, but you're never going to know because you can't manage to approach that person in a decent way. I get that just from kind of like trying to coach my geeky friends into, you know, having more success dating. This is all so interesting. I've been thinking about this to myself because like, I want to be seen as beautiful, but I've always been afraid that that beauty will turn into, oh, you're sexy. Oh, you're hot. And for an ace person who, first of all, isn't appearance driven, but second of all, who just has problems with the sex. I don't know why that is, but it's just like, I don't, like, I want love, I want romance, but not the sex part. And I know a lot of sexual attraction can be physical appearance, or if not physical, at least, like, it's driven by this concept of beauty or sexiness or hotness. So it's been something I've been thinking a lot about, why that's one of the little aspects that I've been thinking about. And that's why I kind of drew this question. So let me tell you something. Sexy isn't only about how big, you know, it is around the chest or how big it is south of the equator. It's not, uh, you know, how rounded your buttocks might be. I mean, it is to a lot of people, don't get me wrong. But, you know, I used to, in my in my teens and, and 20s, I used to think when people would say the mind is the sexiest organ there is. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> and that, you know, that was kind of my thought process. Like, well, n- n- no one's going to approach me because I have a sexy mind. You know, I've got, I've got shoulders, I've got a chest. No one knows how sexy my mind is. But as I've, as I've, you know, experienced life and, and continue to live, you know, you can get with the most physically beautiful person on the planet and you're, you know, sitting across the table from them or laying in the bed, staring at them. And you're like, what the hell am I doing here? There is nothing other than the physicality of that body. There's nothing attractive to me. There's nothing that does it for me. It it truly actually ends up being the personality, the mind, the spirit. And and I don't think it's just one of those things. It's, It's the combination of all of them that makes sexiness actually happen. And yes, it makes it a little bit easier with a great physical appearance, but ultimately that's not going to hold someone. If you can't have a conversation with the person that, you know, you kind of want to go to bed with, it's not going to last very long. I have to break in here. I, I've had more guys who have wanted me than women. And of course they want my long hair and play with it. And they want what's on my chest and things. And it's kind of, oh, you're, you're sexy, you're hot. And can I, and then when it comes to when I've had to say no, after I was out, it's, I know. And I would say, I, I, I want to be your friend. I would love to know who you are. It was kind of, over and done with it. It speaks to what they really wanted. And I even had a guy slip 20s under my couch cushions and mattress to buy me. And it just, it wasn't ideal. And if there's no emotional connection, and if you are don't support your partner or the, the one you have a chance with, and if you don't appreciate what you can give to and take from a relationship, you're right. It, it's not, it's not going to be a, anything that you want. Hey, Melody, um, I, I kind of wanted to 
jump on top of what you just said, because like as someone who just recently came out and, and I said earlier that I never felt approached by women, but I also never felt unsafe. You know, I, I don't know, I'm going to make a sort of stereotypical or, or generalized statement, but I never felt like uh, aggressed by a woman, but I have felt really like aggressed by some men. There have been times where a guy was extremely inappropriate about his desire for me, uh, sending me unsolicited pictures and getting kind of like crude or, or gross. And so like, I never had to live that sort of feeling that a lot of women have to feel until I came out and I was like, whoa, damn, there are some dudes who will stop at nothing to get with you. And it's it's really like kind of creepy. <laughs> so I yeah. want to step on that for one second, because I think that with the rise of the internet and it all started way back in the day, there was a, an internet service called CompuServe, which eventually morphed into what we, what we knew as AOL, which morphed into et cetera, et cetera. But when the internet came along, it gave a freedom and then text messages, of course, it gave a freedom to folks to live out their inner wants, desires, needs, fantasies, et cetera, et cetera. And because in the LGBTQ plus community, it's always been less of a what's proper kind of thing. You know, if you've grown up in a very, you know, religious slash or or conservative slash all of those, you were taught things that were standards of behavior. When the internet came along, all those standards of behavior kind of just went out the window. And so the behaviors of the community at large have reinforced these, what you just described as unwanted slash disgusting behaviors. But you go on a service like Adam for Adam or Grindr or, or even Tinder, really, and that goes for gay or straight. And when you get a certain amount of hits based upon the behavior that you're displaying, your mind assimilates it as, okay, this is okay. This is what the whole world is expecting, thinking, wanting, needing, et cetera, et cetera. But it isn't. It's that subsector of culture that's on these apps, that's yeah. on the internet. And so I, I think that you're right in everything you just said, but it comes because of the advancement of the internet and the so availability of the apps and the things that came along with the growth of the internet. I do want to be uh, approached and I do want people to show interest in me. I just don't want the unsafe, threatening, disgusting behavior that's associated with it. So it's really a tightrope of, I want to be wanted. I want to be, um, you know, desired, but I don't want like really disgusting, unsolicited pictures and behavior. Yeah, I was saying, saying that I do want the romance. I do want the love. I just don't want the unsolicited. I had this crazy thing happen. I was on Facebook, regular Facebook, and also Facebook dating. And someone friended me. Actually, he was a mutual friend of someone I know kind of well. I was like, oh, okay, he's friends with one of my friends. It should be fine. And then, you know, on my profile, it says that I'm asexual. And it, you know, says I'm still looking for love and blah, 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 blah. So I got this comment from this guy saying that he was having trouble and it, like with sex. And I thought he was, the way he was starting out, it was saying he was affecting his mental health. And apparently I thought he was probably like having trouble with like, you know, from what he was sounding. I was like, oh, he must be having trouble with like 
with his lack of sexual desire or something. Because he was being very unclear and it was first with mental health, then the sex thing. After a while, he told me he wanted me to like help him masturbate. And I'm like, dude, I was just trying to give you resources, trying to help you out. <laughs> and I knew <then> you <laughs> this way. After I already gave you so many resources. <laughs> It was just <laughs> ridiculous. And I actually think about that. Is it just, will you all tell them about it? made me think of this and how, how unwanted some of these things can be. But that could be another story in itself. I'd love to tell you all the full story because, man, it had me feeling guilty for some other, getting too many resources at first. But yeah, that's just. You should never feel guilty for leading with, you want to help someone leading with, you want to show, you want to give them an opportunity to find the same kind of path that you're finding. Never, ever, ever feel guilty about that. But we have to understand that we live in a city that, you know, there are thousands and thousands of perspectives every day that come in, you know, to our own personal lives, our own personal, you know, what we do every day at work, at school, et cetera, et cetera. And we have to understand that, what the behaviors that people do when they're accepted by a bunch of other people, but they're not okay with us, it doesn't necessarily make people disgusting or wrong. It's just they've been rewarded. And I said this with my my sister and her kids and things like that, but humans are still animals. So if you reward a behavior over and over again, like I do with my guide dog, if I treat him when he stops at a curb, and he puts his head on my left-hand knee to let me know that we're at the curb and it's not time to cross, I reward him. Not every single time now because we've been together for a while, but that's how he learned. Humans are basically, our brains are not wired that differently from animals. If we get a positive response from sending, you know, I'm not going to say the actual C word, but if we send a C picture, you know, nude from the waist down and and five or six people are like, oh my God, that's so hot. I can't wait to get with you. And the seventh person says, why did you send me that? You're a freak. What's wrong with you? It's not the seventh person that they're going to take the behavior cue from because six other people said, oh my God, I can't wait to get with you. That looks so good kind of thing. And so we're in this kind of world where we have to understand that behaviors that are not comfortable for us are comfortable for other people. And the behavior is being reinforced over and over again by other people. It also makes you think about manipulation, asking for help in order to get a sexual need met or to get some personal need met and gain some ulterior benefit. It, it You really wouldn't want to mess with someone like that who's going to use the fact that someone wants to help them and prey on that. And maybe they've had a behavior reinforced and done that before and it's worked for them or not. And that's why they're asking you, but it's, that creep factor is kind of turned up. Absolutely. So Destiny, I know that you had a couple of other questions concerning beauty. And the one that I yes. really liked, you know, that you had displayed for us before this conversation was how do we actually measure beauty as blind folks? Are you willing to open up that conversation? So, yes, let's get to that um, conversation and start with that. How do we measure beauty as blind folks? For me, I have some vision. So some of it is aesthetics, but, you know, it's also voice and just whatever makes me feel good in the moment. But what about for you all? 
Well, these pizza rolls that I'm taking out of the oven right now are um, very beautiful. <laughs> I would say the way that I measure beauty as a uh, blind person is, uh, you know, a lot of things. Like, of course, you know, smell. Smell can definitely tell you a little bit about someone's external beauty. You know, the texture, if you're with someone intimately already, um, you know, the texture of their skin, do they, do they take care of their skin? Uh, the feeling of their hair, you know, is their hair soft or, or is it well kept? Is it trimmed? Uh, someone's uh, fingernails. I mean, I hate to keep coming back to nails, but it's kind of what I'm obsessed with at the moment. But, you know, are they well manicured? Are they polished? Are they smooth? Those are some external measures of beauty. And then, of course, there's all this internal measure of beauty, which I think is far more important in a lot of ways to blind people. Is the person giving? Is the person loving? Is the person understanding? Are they judgmental? Are they uh, manipulative? Uh, you know, these are things that can determine if someone is beautiful or ugly inside. And then, of course, I think the number one measure of beauty for a lot of blind people is that sexy, sexy voice. I agree. The voice will get me. I love a woman's voice that is soft and, and gentle. And of course, the spitfire added, you know, who they are and their sense of humor and hands and hair and skin. They do so much for me. I mean, just to hold a hand, you can tell a lot about a person by their hands at times, not always, but if they're small or if they're large, if they work hard, you know, if they're calloused and rough or if they're soft and gentle, they often have a gentle personality. Also the hair. I love doing other women's hair for them, especially if I am interested in them or taking care of their nails for them or just feeling the pulse and feeling how powerful that is, is or feeling them take a breath and hold them while they sleep. It's like, oh my gosh, they're alive. And someone might say, yeah, what we all are. And it's just the fact that someone you love is so valuable and contributing and they are alive and they're safe right there next to you when your bed is warm and not lonely. And that is pure beauty to me. So I'm going to jump in here. Um, I agree with both Byron and Melody, first and foremost. And I can say this when I still had sight. I, I think voice is very, very important. But within voice is also the way a person carries themselves vocally, how they speak, what words they choose to use, how they modulate, et cetera, et cetera. It's not only the timbre and the tonality of the voice. It's not the cadence of the words they use. It's how they choose to string words together as well that really gets to me. That's pre-losing my sight. Voice and, and how someone represents himself through the language that they use has always gotten to me. I'm a self-proclaimed jock who absolutely loves nerd boys. I have loved nerd boys since I was in like sixth grade. Having said that, though... There's a piece, Byron said smell, and, and I was like, I had myself on mute at that point, and I was cheer. I said, yes, very, very loud. Because if a person, you know, is not, uh, I, I always think, I, I remember, I worked for the Associated Press for 10 plus years in the entertainment position, and I heard various things about Matthew McConaughey, who those of you who are partials or, or once had sight or whatever will know, I mean, that physically is it just he is a beautiful beautiful man but you know there were rumors for quite some time that he only showered twice a week if you've been playing you know riding dirt bikes or doing stunts etc cetera, etc cetera, and you don't come home and shower before you get into my bed you are not sexy to me i don't care how physically beautiful your body is if you smell you gotta go um so i i, I definitely agree with all of those points 
makes me kind of wonder, Anthony, how many times a, a jock boy picked on me or harassed me or tried to shove me in a locker or something. How many times did that happen where they were attracted to me but didn't know how to actually handle that? I will tell you this. From my perspective, personally, I never did that. But going back to high school reunions and meeting up with friends later on and, and certain conversations, it's like, are you kidding me? You were feeling that too? Why didn't you ever tell me, et cetera, et cetera? It is way more prevalent than you could ever, ever imagine. You know, that whole spectrum between completely straight and completely gay is so broad. There are so many detours on that on that road between gay and straight. Nobody could possibly identify them all. And a lot of those aggressions probably were because there were some, you know, repressed desires going on. I wanted to add to the smell thing and to the beauty thing. I don't have a sense of smell, so that's one area that I've never considered as part of beauty, but I do get it. For those who do have a sense of smell, it is a very important thing. Oh, girl, hold on. I'm just going to tell you right now. If, you know, if you lean in to kiss somebody who, you know, vocally voice and, and, and the way they speak, et cetera, et cetera, and the things that they're saying is getting you, is giving you what I call the butterflies. And as they raise their arm up to put it around your your shoulder and neck, and you get a whiff of, oh my God, it will change the moment in a hot second. If you're getting, you know, extreme body odor, all the sexiness is gone in a second. Huh. Yeah. See, I wouldn't have been able to see the change in moments. So I bet, I wonder if there would ever be a time where I'd be like really like connecting with someone and like I hope this never happened but like oh she's with someone or there was someone who has uh thought, like <laughs> major body odor but I haven't really you know, I can't smell it so I don't pay attention another thing is I just love to be able to cuddle up next to someone family member friend mother and just like put my arm around someone and and just be in the moment and that to me is beautiful. I haven't had much luck with that yet in finding a romantic partner, but like I've even done that with family and just like sitting in, for me, it was with mainly at church, but also, also like anytime when I'm with my granny, not every time, but a lot of times there will just be times we're sitting next to each other, whether, whether in church or somewhere else. And I'll just put my arm around her and just rest into her. And it's like this, Ah, oh, good feeling, you know. So to me, that's beautiful. And hearing you exactly your own that. that is that is beautiful because that's that's a comfort feeling. That's a home feeling. You can snuggle into Granny, and you know that she's going to put her arm around you, or she's going to nuzzle her chin on the top of your head, or whatever it be. That that's comfort. That's home. That is beauty. Yeah, because think about how many people out there don't have a mother, a father, a grandmother. They don't have anyone in their life that they can cuddle into and and ask for that exchange of love. Because that's what cuddling into someone is. It's an it's an exchange of love. And I want to go back for a second to the smelly thing because it's not only smell. I remember very very distinctly. I was working for the AP for about two years, and I was talking with a group of people, and and we were you know going back and forth and. And a lesbian friend of mine had said, oh, my God, some of these women do not understand what it means to be beautiful. When I get down to business and I'm 
feeling up a leg or a calf or whatever, and it's like a cheese grater, that's not beautiful to me. But that's a representation of their queerness. So how do you tell them, I don't like this? I didn't have an answer for them. And if they asked me today, I still wouldn't have an answer for them. I I don't know how you tell someone that. If it doesn't feel beautiful to you, how do you say that to somebody else? That is a harsh question because I think of that, like I have eczema and psoriasis and someone were to feel my leg and my knee. I have very dry skin, you know, and that's why beauty is so subjective. In my opinion, that's my answer. What do you all feel? I have to go back to this, the smell thing, the cuddle thing and the feeling beauty. My smell has been altered because of the pneumonia and COVID. And it's terrifying because it used to be pretty fine-tuned. And now I know if someone is smelling, it's got to be bad. And who has experienced this before me that maybe they needed a shower before and they really need one now because I can smell them. And I noticed that male pheromones in general, they just terrify me. I mean, I live with someone who doesn't take care of themselves. So it's my Monica had psoriasis and I loved to give her psoriasis treatments. I could find where the, the flakes were and the cores and things. And I loved it. It was beautiful to me and to do it for her and to make her feel better. I didn't care, you know, and to feel that creepy skin and she was older and I, I just didn't mind it. And the cuddling, you know, now with COVID, it's so tough anyway. And I remember my mom and she'll once in a while still do it today. Just say goodbye to me and lean over and give me a kiss and her long hair would flutter on my face and it's beautiful, you know, and the mama smell because she does take care of herself. I just, I love it. It's like one of the first smells that you smell when you're held by your mom. And my Monica used all the Pantene and, and the, the lotions and soaps and she smelled flipping amazing. And that smell, it was a connection just to hold her because she wasn't used to being held and she was used to being hit. And so was I. That love and that connection. And I, I would always call it a love injection and say, here comes a love injection, you know, and it was Mm. lean right into it (laughs) destiny what do you think about what melody just said i love that just that idea of caring for someone being beautiful and like for me mine's relatively mild to moderate so you know it's understandable like i just love the way you describe that and the feeling of love injection my mom wasn't a very cuddly or lovey person she didn't really know how to show that my granny once in a while would like rub my back, but I was the one usually seeking out for the most part that cuddling thing. And, you know, I hope to find a friend or a partner that I can, or more than one, I'm still not sure that I can do that with. I love that. I love what you said. That's beautiful. Anthony, I want to jump in on your body hair uh, comment just a little bit because, you know, body hair is something that to me, I don't care if other people have it, but on me, I hate it. And I haven't gotten rid of it for two reasons. Number one, it's difficult to remove it, right? I've tried shaving. I haven't tried waxing other than my eyebrows, but I would love to. But, you know, I've tried a few methods. Don't don't try uh, like Nair or Veet because you will wind up with burns that are unpleasant. But body hair- And little bumps all over your skin. Yep, 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 exactly. (laughs) So, you know, body hair is something that on me, to me, Uh, is really gross and unattractive and I hate it. But someone that I dated said, oh, I really hate it when you like shave your arms or shave your chest or whatever, because then it gets all prickly and doesn't feel, I would rather you be hairy because it's soft and it it feels nice and it's cuddly. I'd rather you be, you know, be hairy and be cuddly rather than, you know, shave and look better, but be all prickly and and sandy, like sandpaper. So, um, you know, I think body hair, is a very subjective thing. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Some people want clean shaven and some people are like, ow, you feel like a pincushion. 
I got I got to step in there because I'm right there with you, Byron. And I think it is so very, very different for men and women who are attracted to the same sex. So women, I, I have found in, in my studies, so to speak, if they're attracted to other women and they're on the more masculine side of the spectrum, they want a woman. They want one who is clean shaven on her legs. They want one who is physically more presenting as a very feminine woman. I hated my body hair. I hated it. I waxed, shaved, shaved. I did everything you could possibly imagine beside electrolysis to get rid of my chest hair because I I had that impression that my muscles, that, that the chest was more attractive without the body hair. But I had partners tell me over and over again, it, it shapes their skin, et cetera, et cetera. Like, why are you bothering with this? Chest hair is so sexy. Right now, I haven't done anything with my chest in about nine or 10 years. And that's pre-blindness, as I said before, it's six years in blindness. But I, I definitely get it. But we get these preconceived notions, especially when we look at magazines, we look at television ads, et cetera, et cetera. It, that infiltrates our brains and tells us what we're supposed to think is sexy. But sexy is is not an A to B to C kind of progression. Sexy is in the eyes, the hands, and even sometimes the lips, mouth, and tongue of the beholder. So if one partner doesn't think that my clean shaven chest is sexy, and another partner says, I don't want to have to deal with facial road, rate, road rash, how do I deal with it? Well, I asked the partner that I'm with at that point and deal with it from that point forward. But you're absolutely right. It's it's a very subjective thing. I have to go back to the body hair thing as well. I can't stand my own and I'm shaving places that don't really need to be shaven, like the back of my arms. It's a few tiny little light ones are because I'm paranoid. And I tried using some lip hair removal stuff years ago and it pained thousands of bucks for it and just didn't and I I feel like I'm I would be unattractive to a partner and they're gonna see the hair and so it's kind of I want my smooth skin. So if two of us be laying together and we are both prickly after shaving it's kind of we're prickly together. Yay out ooh we're jumping back, you know, and it's I can't stand my own body hair, but yet my hair on my head, I love it long. And I just have to keep up with it obsessively constantly and it's kind of being who I think I need to be for someone else. It's yeah. And I don't I don't like it on me. Short hair, long hair, body hair nobody hair. Ultimately, it doesn't matter when it comes to the love that you find with someone. And folks who listen to Pride Connection all the time know that Gabriel, the president, is my partner. And I'm different for him than I am for anyone else. And I know, based on our conversations, he's different from me than he has been with anyone else. Because when real love is involved, it changes everything. You don't need the things that you think you need. Love triumphs physical attractiveness in every way, every shape, every form. And I can guarantee you from all my friends, from my family, I can guarantee you that's the truth. When you find the true love, you're open to finding your true own self. And whatever that is, whether you want to shave every day or, you know, you want to, you know, dye your head red, whatever it be, that's because you're safe in the person that has accepted you for everything that you are and only wants the best for you, only wants the best for the relationship that you're in. And whether you dye your hair or you don't dye your hair, whether you shave your legs or you don't shave your legs, it really doesn't matter in the love that you have 
amongst the two of you. But the uh, the rest of the world is always going to have a judgment. And I've experienced this with Gabriel very, very recently, where we've had to have the conversation amongst the two of us. It doesn't really matter what this one says or this one thinks. What matters is what we feel when we close the door on the rest of the world and come into our loving family. Him, me, and the two dogs. I used to shave my chest all the time. I haven't shaved my chest in three years. And girl, I got to tell you, every once in a while, I still feel that pain like, oh my God, there's too much hair here. It's like gross. (laughs) But I know it doesn't matter to him. And now I'm fully, almost fully accepting that it doesn't matter to me anymore either. That is so lovely. And I've been thinking about this whole body hair thing. I always was told by my mom, don't ever shave. You have such light hair. It isn't, it is not visible to most people. And if you shave it, it's going to come in darker. It was the biggest mistake I ever made. And frankly, I didn't know how good I would be at shaving. I don't, I'm not the type of person to think that beauty has to be painful. That's just a complete myth to me. Like I've never shaved. Like sometimes I think about like certain areas, oh, it'd be nice to feel smooth skin, but is it ever really fully smooth? From what I've heard, it's not really because it always has that little prickliness to it. And waxing is painful. So no. (laughs) So that's how I've kind of felt about it. Girl, I'll tell you straight up, as far as shaving is concerned, completely smooth for about, as far as waxing is concerned, it's completely smooth for about four or five hours. But when you wake up the next morning, whether you shave or you wax, there's going to be something there. And so if you start along that path, you can never, ever let it go because it just comes in. Your mother's right. It comes in coarser, harder, stronger, and more virulent of the follicle than before you shaved or waxed. I made that mistake starting to shave when I was 11. And my mom was, my dad was always, oh, you're going to cut yourself with the razor blade automatically and all this stuff. No, you can't see and what, you know, yeah, I'm going to get a nick once in a while. And so I started shaving the legs a little shortly after the armpits. And I, since then it's like, oh my gosh, once in a while, I just want to stop, you know, and have to continue to keep up with it. It's exhausting. And I, I had listened to my mom and she said, it's going to grow in thicker. Don't try to do the backs of your arms and stuff. And I still was paranoid and I have a diagnosis of OCD among other things. And it's, it's so, because she was always on me about you, you weigh too much and your hair is too long. And now what your skin's baggy and sagging, you've lost over 120 pounds, but yet your hair is still too long. And it's kind of that need to be beautiful for her too and improve. And the women in my family are so, oh, you've got to be ladylike all the time and you can't do this and that public. And it's, I fed into that. And that's a whole aspect of beauty too, listening to your family and listening to people. And I find that I'm not getting visual assistance I need as far as my mom describing clothes to me if I want to pick out an outfit, whereas I'll get it from an IRA agent or get it from a woman who knows what she's doing. Monica was a seamstress, so I'd rather go to the store with her, you know, when it was a problem. But that maybe should be a whole nother aspect, a whole nother pride connection as far as describing beauty and, and receiving description from sighted peers, especially maybe your family and what they think you should, the whole shaving aspect. Yeah. What has society given us about beauty and how have we internalized it in our own you know, lives? So for me, you're not beautiful because like you will never be seen as beautiful because of, it never was told to me, but it was said to me like, implicitly that because of my being blind that I will never be desirable also I've been taught that 
fat isn't beautiful. And, oh, you won't be beautiful if you have short hair. You won't be girly enough. All these things were things that were taught to me and that I internalized. That I'm too burdensome because of my disability and because of my size and my slowness. That I will not be beautiful. That I am not beautiful. And I'm still working to undo those messages. You are beautiful. The fact that you're willing to put yourself out here, vulnerable, that you're willing to say the things that you're that you've already said, it makes you absolutely beautiful. And I have been to conventions and conventions of you know alternate sex practices, et cetera, et cetera. In my career, I've experienced a lot. There's someone and a lot of someone out there that are into everything you could possibly imagine. But that's not really what it's about. You're beautiful. You put your emotions and your vulnerability right here for all of us to feel. That makes you, in my eyes, the most beautiful person that I've encountered in a very long time. What do you think, Melody? You're in the shape of a heart. Because you exist and your heart's beating, something good is happening somewhere, whether you know it or not. And I want to give you a love injection. And (laughs) I'm I'm corny. And in case anyone doesn't know that, I don't care. I'm not changing to save anyone's life. Vulnerability is something we learn how to feel and accept during treatment. And we kind of sit with it and feel how uncomfortable it is. And that's how we, we move through it. And we're okay. And I respect you for doing this. I noticed that I can't move on because I live with two people who refuse to do this. And I've been doing everything I can to do this. And I love you for it, girl. And I want to, I totally want to know you. Beautiful. Byron, what about you? So I think the most beautiful thing that you can do as a human being is to see the beauty within yourself. If you think that you're beautiful, then other people are going to find that beauty. There are 7.8 billion people in this world. And as Anthony said, there is every type of uh, person out there and Uh, another person in that world who is into that exact kind of person. So whether you're nerdy or you're a jock, whether you're skinny or you're fat, whether you're, uh, you know, have long, beautiful locks or you're bald, there's somebody out there that just finds that aspect of you to be beautiful. And uh, you don't owe it to anyone else to be beautiful except for yourself. You owe it to yourself to say, I'm beautiful. Absolutely. Can I share a story? Destiny, do you mind? I don't mind. I just wanted to say thank you all before you share it. And same with like having unique passions. That's another thing I think is beautiful. And I'll let you share your story. I went to Hofstra University in Long Island and I played baseball. And I got together with a bunch of my friends about two years after we graduated. And one of, it was the second base player, came to our gathering with a large girl. And first off, I have to say, I absolutely love Cherish, adore her. She's she's everything that you'd want in a friend, in a person, et cetera, et cetera. And there were a few people that were like, oh my God, why is he with her? And those of us that were enlightened and said, what does it have to do with anything with you? Who cares? She's beautiful. She's sweet. She's wonderful, et cetera, et cetera. But the whole genesis of that conversation was he's physically beautiful and she's overweight, so she can't possibly be beautiful. uh, The fact of the matter is she had a beautiful heart, a beautiful spirit. And I still had sight at that point. She had a beautiful face. She had a beautiful way of presenting herself. There was nothing Nothing you could say about this girl other than the fact that she was just a little bit overweight that that would make you think like, but people wanted to pick at that. I 
never understood it then. I don't understand it now. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And whatever someone finds beautiful in you, in me, in Melody, in Byron, that's the beauty of life. Beauty is not a physicality. It's not the way you speak. It's not the way you present yourself to the world. It's the spirit. It's everything that makes you you. And until we get to that place, and it's utopian, we're never really going to get to that place where everyone in our society looks at the person for the person. But if we be as pride connection, part of the message that makes you understand that beauty is in everything that you do. It's in the way that you respond to people. It's in the hugs that you give. We're looking at a humanitarian crisis that's horrific. And I think it's beauty in every person that's donated or has done anything to possibly support that effort. There are civilians that are laying themselves on the road in front of tanks and willing to get run over because they believe. That's beauty too. Beauty is everything that makes a person who they are. That's me personally. I love that. I love your story of how you stood up for that person. We need more people to stand up for people who aren't considered beautiful when they're with physically attractive people. So I really appreciate you telling that story. I just love all of that. If you all want to share your messages of what society has told you. My family was, my mom was very into physical appearance. And you've got to be thin. You're going to, she would compare me to this poor girl that I went to school with who was now in a nursing home who had no vision, whose family didn't respond to her visual impairment either as they should have. And you're going to look just like dot, dot, dot. And you're, you're, you're not going to be able to walk. And now I've lost so much weight. And it's, I don't get good morning or good afternoon or how are you anymore? People that haven't seen me in a few months or a year, it's, oh my gosh, you've lost weight and you look pale and it's not intentional. It's not their fault. I was known for it and I didn't do it the right way. But it's the fact that I was so fixated on losing weight and my hair and my face and the fact that my mom was picking my pimples and now I've got scars all over my face because that's not what you do for them. I feel at 36, not beautiful. And I've had people tell me, I noticed that you're mentally aging and everything. And I just feel so, but yet when I was taking care of someone else and, and taking more care of me and more motivated and because it's what I want to do, I want a career in caregiving, I felt beautiful. I found my mental baseline. I evened out. I remembered what it was like to want to live. And that's what beauty is when you can when you can do for someone and like you, you can appreciate them and know that they truly appreciate you and are not just saying it. And when you can just sit with them for hours and not have a commitment and hold them and sleep to whenever you need to and feel that safe and feel their heartbeat. That's beautiful, Molly. Thank you. Byron? Thank you so much for hosting this uh, conversation, Destiny. And I, you know, I can't wait to have more conversations about things like dismantling beauty and, uh, you know, breaking gender norms and showing your beauty in the way that you feel more more comfortable and things like that. Um, so hopefully there'll be more conversations about beauty in the future. I'm just so happy that you took the mantle and, and decided to host tonight's show. You did a great job. I have to agree 100%. You've done an amazing job. And thank you for letting me step in and move the conversation along in the various points that I did. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And some people will view beauty as your physical appearance, how you present yourself. Some people will 
view beauty in the way you laugh, in the way that you interact with other people. Some people will define beauty as you're not caring, that you're understanding. There's been a huge conversation over Miranda in Sex and the City because she decided in this last go around to have her hair be completely gray. And some people said, oh my God, that's like ugly. Like, why would you do that? And some people said, that's who you are. And it's beautiful. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Every action we take, every decision that we make adds to whether our life is beautiful or not. And so if I encounter someone who is not what the world traditionally feels is beautiful and I dismiss them, then I'm an ugly person inside. I look for the beauty in everyone. And sometimes it's physical attractiveness. Sometimes it's the way they think. Sometimes it's the thing that they're advocating for. But beauty is what you decide your world should be and then how it shines when you encounter people. It really has very little to do with how big your muscles are or how long your hair is or how beautiful your face and skin are. It's all about how you put your energy into the world. And again, that's me personally, but I personally believe that if the world thought that way on a grander scale, we'd have a much better world than what we have right now. I love that. And thank you so much for stepping in. I'm kind of a go with the flow kind of person. So thank you for helping me to remember the questions. And you are a beautiful person. And I think you all are just magnificent and stunning in your own unique, wonderful ways. And I agree with everything you said. So I just want to leave it at that. And thank you all so much for being here. I want to say that I am so proud that Destiny had the courage to step up and moderate tonight's conversation. If you listen to our previous conversations, especially three shows ago, Destiny has been very raw open, honest, vulnerable with us. And the fact that she felt confident enough to step up and usher tonight's conversation means the world to me personally, but also as an officer of BPI, I am so thrilled with tonight's conversation. Destiny, thank you so much. Thank you, Juan. And I hope no one gets tired of me because I'm going to be here as long as I possibly can. Girl, no one's going to get tired of you. Melody Byron, do you have any final thoughts on beauty or Destiny's ushering of our conversation this evening? Destiny, you are brave to um, take on facilitating this call tonight. And I respect you for doing that since you're newer to BPI. I want to know you. I want to know who you are and get an idea of you. Anthony, your niece was no fool. I think about a couple weeks ago, last Pride Connection, that your family wouldn't have wanted her to be around you simply because you came out as gay and if she adored you right away when you when she was born and you got to hold her and you probably put your hand on your sister's belly and felt her move and she's no fool i see why now she's got two phenomenal uncles who adore her and she gets to adore right back hopefully and gabriel melody thank you for remembering that 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 means so much to me byron I just want to tell people, uh, don't be afraid to try new things. Don't let peer pressure and the desire to fit in prevent you from expressing your beauty. You want to dye that hair red? Go for it. You know, the worst thing that'll happen is that you, you know, it'll grow out and you'll go back to the way it was. I think a lot of times what people find beautiful, what people find interesting or, uh, ooh, that's, that's attractive, is something different. 
actors and actresses that have unique facial structures or unique hair or a unique voice or unique stature or someone who has unique clothing. That's actually more beautiful than following the standard of platinum blonde with a super thin waist and huge boobs. You know, that's that's the standard definition of beauty. Real beauty is having the courage to try something crazy and different. Amen. And you know, it's a perfect compliment to that, Byron. Anybody can be a Britney Spears. It takes a lot of courage to come out and be a pink. I love that. All right. So this is Pride Connection for this week. If you want to hear more of this, please hit up acbmedia.org, hit podcasts, and then hit Pride Connection. But you can find Pride Connection in any of your podcast catchers. And we'll be back in two weeks with another amazing conversation. Destiny, you did an amazing job. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all. And I hope you all have an amazing two weeks until we catch you next. You've been listening to Pride Connection, sponsored by Blind Pride International, a special interest affiliate of the American Council of the Blind. Please check us out at blindlgbtpride.org. And thanks for listening.